I knew. I'm just kidding. They're I actually did not know. They're going to know. You're on TikTok, aren't you? Instagram Reels is the same thing. My whole menu last week came from TikTok. Time through, sing praise. We it needs to stay up just a hair longer. And it's all of the time. 
Oh, all of the times, I mean. The first time is just. Oh, the first time, no. The first time, sorry. The first time, it just is one. Second, third time, it stays up. Well, I thank both of you for that. So. <clears throat> it's a fast, loud, crazy world. I love hearing stuff like that. I love moments like that. Um, Brian's actually been practicing. He's been working on that for a while. It's a special thing. It's a special moment. Uh, just some, some quick housekeeping. Uh, our, our high school girls are going to be going to the zoo. Um, not, not this zoo, different zoo. Uh, later on, uh, they're actually going to do that on May 7th. And uh, I encourage you, if you want to be involved in that, uh, I know that's coming up real quick, but if you want to be involved in that, I, I, I would like you to talk to Cody. Oh, or you can talk to Erica about that. They're both going to go. Um, uh, or I think Erica's leading that. But in any event, talk to them about that. And uh, it's just something fun for the girls to do. Um, I like going to the zoo. Uh, and uh, that's what they're going to end up doing on May 7th. So uh, just be, be available for that or talk to them about that. Let's pray. Father, you are our God and our King. You are a creator. Father, you are special. You are holy. Help us to remember that in our lives. Help us to remember that in the midst of difficulty and trial. Help us to remember that in the midst of, of, of wonderful days, that you are good and that you are holy, that, that your desire, that what you want for our lives the way you want us to think, the way you want us to act, the way you, this condition of the heart, that we will pursue those things, that they will be done in us and through us, Father. We thank you time and time again, all day, every day, just for your protection and your provision and the opportunity and the wonderful things that you give us, the wonderful ways in which you bless us, so many things that we know and we understand, so many things that we don't. Yet we know good things come from you, Father, and we thank you for it. Father, as we enter into your word, I ask now, please, Father, that right now you will recall to mind. Recall to mind the infractions, the sins of yesterday. That we might confess those before you and have this, this openness, this freedom right now to listen 
and to know, to learn, to understand, but also to realize how important it is to apply your word in our life, Father. And if we are going to be forgiven by you, help us to forgive others. Help us, Father, to have a heart that is a peacemaker so that we might be called sons and daughters of God. Father, we ask through these different storms and trials and difficulties in life that though we may be tested, we will not give in to temptation, that you will strengthen us, that you will give us courage to focus on and think about the beauty and wonder and power of Jesus Christ. Father, it is yours, the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. We are going into a new series today. Behind the clouds, behind the clouds. We've talked a lot about light recently, Uh, the fact that we are and can be light. Uh, We ought to be. Jesus calls us the light of the world, those who pursue Him, those who, who want to follow Him, those who want to experience what He has to offer. They are the light of the world, and they can help others to see Jesus. But Jesus Himself is the light. Jesus gives us this life. He gives us power. He gives us a reason for being. He gives us all kinds of wonderful things that we get to apply in our lives, and we get to see Him, to notice Him, to focus on Him as we focus on the light and we're directed towards Him. And all that sounds great. All of it's real and all of it's true. But you know as well as I do that there's a lot of storms in this life. There's a lot of bad days. There's a lot of bad moments. Sometimes it's not just bad days, sometimes it's not bad moments, sometimes it's bad seasons of life, years of life, where we wonder why and how and where and what we're supposed to be doing, why these things are happening, what our proper response is. Are we strong enough? Do we know enough? All of these things go through our heads. Today, I want us to begin to remember that behind the clouds, church, the sun is still shining. The sun's still shining behind the clouds, and we're going to find that there's even moments, there's times as we get through this series that you can even be singing in the rain. Today, we look at a storm of challenge. We look at a storm of learning. We look at a storm of strengthening. Next week, we're going to look at a storm of knowledge and comfort and power. After that, we're going to look at a storm of correction. Yes, church, storms of correction, storms of discipline in our lives. We get to look at a storm of correction. Later on, we see a storm of opportunity. And finally, we look at a storm of destruction. And what is our response in order to bear up under storms of destruction? All of these are incredible storms that we see throughout Scripture um, today, today we look at, uh, not the first one that we come across in Scripture, but, well, just the one I wanted to start with. So that's the one we look at today, Matthew chapter 14. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. This is in Matthew. This is right after Jesus performs an incredible miracle, ends up feeding 5,000 people, at least 5,000 men and women and children on top of that, but this is an incredible miracle. He takes very little from someone who is, if you hear this account and read this account in John, he takes very little from a child, in other words, someone who is childlike. They put it in Jesus' hands, and what they give him is able to feed and help many. 
That's what Jesus just got done doing. In fact, it's quite possible that this is the time, this is the moment where many of these people who are watching, who are hearing, who are listening and partaking of this say to Jesus, we want to make you king. We want to make you king by force. And so ultimately, he sends his disciples away so that he can calm down the crowd and send them away after he's been teaching and preaching. Matthew 14, we're going to start verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, verse 23, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Now, he's been trying to do this for a while. If you read through the account in Matthew, he's recently heard about the death of John the Baptist, this prophet that came before Jesus to pave the way. So he's been trying to be alone by himself in a solitary place to pray and to possibly mourn. Yet even while he's trying to do this, people are still following him. People are still trying to find him. They're coming up and they want to be taught. They want to be fed. The disciples find him as well. And so he really doesn't have this time leading up to this moment to pray, to talk to his father, to be comforted, to be directed. And so finally he gets this chance. This is what he's been looking for. I, I got to pray, guys. There's a serious lesson. There's a serious mission. There's serious obstacles. There's going to be serious difficulties. I've got to pray. I can't not pray, says Jesus. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to find the time and the place and the moment to talk to my father. Later that night, he was there alone. Verse 24, he looks out over the sea. Verse 24, the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, perhaps, perhaps we might be reaching to call this a storm. Doesn't say that there was a whirlwind, doesn't say there was a hurricane, doesn't even say that there was a whole lot of precipitation. But other than those things, the effects are still the same. Put it this way, the sea is rocking the boat. How's your sea? How was your sea yesterday? How was your sea a year ago? How do you think your sea is going to be a year from now? Bottom line is this, the sea was rocking the boat. It was buffeted. It was dangerous winds. They were swirling. These are rough seas. Rough seas for his disciples. Could be rough seas for you and me. I've gone through rough seas. I've gone through rough moments, rough times. Haven't gone through a rough life, I'll tell you that. Some people have. I haven't. By the way, if you haven't, acknowledge that, right? I haven't gone through a rough life. Many people have gone through a rough life, but all of us go through rough moments and rough seas. Here, God is going to use rough seas to teach His disciples something about His nature and about the power of faith. He's going to use for them the same thing He uses for you and me, and He's going to continue to use this in your life and in your days to teach us. This is often how God works. Look, church, we can learn a lot from the sunshine. We can learn a lot from a beautiful day. We can learn a lot from relief. But we learn the most in the midst of the storm. You see, in the midst of the storm, we're challenged, we're strengthened. And there are things that revealed about God and revealed about us in the middle of the storms. 
And it's in those storms we take one direction or another. First of all, we look for Christ, if that's the direction we take. We look for Christ. We call to Jesus. We focus on Jesus. This is why I live. This is why I exist. This is my pursuit in life. Jesus, give me the strength and the courage and the fortitude to make it through these storms. We look for Jesus. We're prepared to obey Jesus. Or another track, we just ignore God completely and try to do it ourselves. Anybody got that default mechanism in them? You know, just like me? I'm just going to try to cover this myself. I'll fix it. I'll change it. I'll manipulate it. That's kind of the prideful human default mechanism. Of course, there is a third option. My guess is there's a lot of people out here like this. We call on Jesus. We love Jesus. We cry to Jesus. We want relief from Jesus. And the truth is we really have no intention of obeying what he actually says. Jesus, relieve me. Fix the problem. Fix the storm. Jesus says, okay, here's what I want you to do. And you say, fix it another way. <laughs> fix it a different way. Because to do this requires courage. To redo this requires me to lay down my pride. Church, when you call in the name of Jesus, you better be ready for him to answer. When you call in the name of Jesus, be ready for him to answer. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out of them walking on the lake. Just walking on the water, taking a stroll in the midst of a storm on top of the water. Church, Jesus is the God of creation. He's not a different God. He's not a lesser God. He's not merely a fraction or a part of God. Jesus is the God of creation. Jesus is not an imposter. He's not merely a teacher or a holy man. This is the very God who decides right now in this moment to suspend the physical laws of the universe in order to teach a lesson. Maybe it was the quickest way across the lake, sure, but more likely. Jesus is using this to teach a lesson. He's temporarily changing the laws of the universe for the benefit of these 12 men and also for you and me. This shouldn't be a stretch to believe, by the way, if you believe in the resurrection of Christ. If you believe Jesus was able to conquer death. It never ceases to amaze me. I've actually had conversations about this. It never ceases to amaze me how people believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But they don't believe he walked on water. <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, preach, brother. But they don't believe he healed the blind man with a word. They believe he rose from the dead, but they don't believe he could stop the sun in the sky for Joshua. They believe he rose from the dead. But there's no way he created all we see in six days. Why, preacher? Because the evidence is against it. I promise you, church, the evidence is against Jesus rising from the dead in three days. The evidence is far against that through our human experience. I know Jesus rose from the dead after being dead three days. 
I don't know anybody else personally who's ever done that. And yet I believe it. I believe so many of these miracles in Scripture because I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. There is faith, there is trust, there is belief. If we can believe in the resurrection, we can believe in the walking on the water, we can believe anything that God says regardless of our latest measurements. Jesus, the God of creation, is coming near in the midst of a storm. When the disciples, verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. And they came up with any answer they could possibly grasp. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Thinking he is a ghost, the disciples are terrified. Even though they've been with Jesus for some time. They don't recognize Jesus as he approaches them on the water in the storm. Why? Because these things don't happen. These things aren't possible. Isn't this the way we see things in life? Even as we're talking to Jesus. This is a bad day. This is a bad time. These are horrible days. This is a horrible life. I need this. I want this. This is going to help me. This is going to deliver me. This is going to strengthen my faith, whatever it is. But these things don't really happen in my life. And so we look for other things, other reasons, other excuses. No, Jesus is coming near. If you're going to call out to Jesus, be ready for him to answer. Jesus is coming near. And they don't even recognize it. Sometimes we fail to recognize when Jesus comes alongside us. And we fail to recognize when Jesus comes alongside us in our own personal storms. Do you know why we fail? Do you know why we don't recognize that? Do you know why? You know, just kind of piggybacking on on the words of Randy. Why does it take so long for us to begin to realize the power and work, observe the moment of God's work in our lives? I want you to back up just a little bit. Back up just a moment. Verse 23, we've read it before. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to do what? To do what? How's your prayer life? Do you pray? Do you talk? Look, there's a lot of things I can't do. There's a lot of things I screw up, a lot of things I do wrong. But I pray. I pray. Do you? Is it a part of your life, a natural part of your life? And do you see or do you miss the work of Christ in your life, especially in the midst of the storm? Jesus is always praying to the Father. If there's anybody in the world in existence that doesn't need to pray to the Father, it's Jesus. He's always praying. He's being filled up. He's being focused. He's being tuned in this. How's your prayer life? Do we talk to the very creator of the universe every moment, every time, every chance, every day? Jesus does this all the time. Luke says he frequently goes off to desolate places simply to speak to his father. Jesus makes room for time alone with God. And this is the first important lesson we can take from this account as we weather the storms of life. To talk to God, to pray to God, to be changed by these conversations, to have our eyes opened by these conversations. 
Jesus sends the disciples away so he can be alone on the mountain to pray, even with the needs of so many people pressing on him. Jesus makes solitary time with his Father a priority. But thankfully, Jesus does understand the immaturity of our faith. He doesn't want our faith to be immature. He wants our faith to be strengthened, to grow, to see, to notice, to work. But he does understand. He understands that we are fallen human beings. To his disciples, the Lord speaks words of comfort, verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. I am here, says Jesus, don't be afraid. Nothing else has changed. It's still rough seas. Their boat, your boat, is still being knocked around and rocked around. But Jesus says, don't be afraid because now I'm here. I'm with you. Take courage. Courage. Courage is a wonderful thing. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage Courage tells fear to go sit in the corner and behave itself. That's what courage does. He says, take courage. Don't be afraid. Look, I'm here, Jesus says. Allow courage to be your master, not fear. Why do we choose fear? Why do we choose fear to be our master? Is fear your master? Is worry your master? Is anxiety your master? Let's put that another way. Are you a slave? Worry, fear, anxiety, wringing of the hands. I tell you, the older and older I get, the more and more I come to know Jesus, the less and less I'm afraid. Because I'm less and less afraid of me, for me, my pride, my arrogance. You want to know what freedom is? Freedom is when the world can take everything from you and you've lost nothing. That's freedom. That's freedom. But as long as we are slaves to worry, anxiety, fear, we're never going to taste that. We're never going to experience that. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I'm right here with you. Take, take courage. Don't worry. We choose fear over courage. We choose fear over peace. Why is it so easy to do that? Let's go back a couple verses. Verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to do what? How's your prayer life? Why do we choose fear over courage? Why is it so easy? Why do we choose unrest instead of peace? Why do we choose sadness, anger? Why do we choose wringing our hands instead of joy? How's your prayer life? Do you talk to your father? Matthew, or, uh, verse 28 through 29. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Verse 29. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And this interaction is, is, is one of the most fascinating interactions in all of Scripture to me. This line fascinates me. The wind and the waves are dangerous, 
In other words, they're not what you want on the lake. They're not what you want in your life. Right? Look, not everything in the gospel accounts are recorded in chronological order, but we do know that before this time, Jesus performed another miracle that you may have heard of. Matthew 8, 24-27, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, the same lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. My question, what fascinates me about this scenario with Jesus and Peter is this. Why did Jesus invite Peter out into the middle of the storm, out of the boat, onto the lake, instead of first calming the storm? We know he can do it. But he says, come. He doesn't calm the storm. He doesn't settle the waves. He tells his follower, get out of the boat and come out onto the stormy sea. Why in the world? We know he can. Why would he let the storm rage? Well, I see a couple of reasons. Number one is this. You can read through the account yourself. He was never asked. He was never asked. Did you notice that? Did you catch that? Never once did Peter or the rest of the disciples, as Jesus is standing there, hey, say, Jesus, can you calm this storm like you've calmed other storms? He wasn't even asked to calm the storm. Are we apprehensive about asking Jesus? Do we default to... Your will be done. Rather than Jesus, here specifically is what I need, what I like, what I want. Do we ask Jesus, do we talk to him to calm the waves, to calm the storm, to fix the problem? Do we doubt the ability, the reality? Do we doubt the care? Do we even doubt the audience? Don't water down the request, church. Accept the answer. But don't water down the request. Don't think about the symptoms. Focus on the problem. You know, this goes along with another observation that we see in Scripture so many times with Jesus performing miracles. He's about ready to heal the blind. He's about ready to, to, to heal the sick or the lame, whatever it is. He gets to the person, and before he heals the obvious issue, he asks them, What do you want? What do you want? It's almost as if we roll, are you kidding me, Jesus? Do I have to tell you what I want? Can't you see? Haven't you figured this out? Jesus says, what do you want? What do you need? What's your focus? They weren't even asked, or they didn't even ask Jesus to calm the storm. That's one reason. Number two, if Peter would have asked, perhaps Jesus would have said no. Just No. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking for relief of the storms of life. But there is a tremendous lack of faith to ask for relief before we follow Jesus. Before we follow Jesus, I'll do what you say. But calm the storm first. Jesus is not here to bargain with you. Don't bargain with Him. I'll follow you so long as you do this for me. 
Peter could have said, Jesus, calm the storm, then I'll get out of the boat. Peter said, Jesus would have laughed and said, Pete, that, def- that defeats the whole purpose here. I'm not going to do that to you. Jesus wants us to follow him here, now, today, regardless of our current circumstances. Regardless of what we think might happen. Church, faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequences. That's what faith is. So, he would have said no. Third reason, this is related to the above reason, say we do follow Jesus, we have great faith, we may ask Jesus to call in the storm, and Jesus' reply to us is the same as his reply to Paul. Nope. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. We find often that Jesus' grace is sufficient for us as we go through the storms. Our faith and our contentment is strengthened through the storms. It's strengthened through the storms if we do one thing. Look at verse 30. But when he, that is Peter, when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. The three most powerful words in all of Scripture. Lord, save me. Now our center of interest is kind of shifting to Peter. And, and I know it's tempting to criticize Peter for the sinking. I know it's, it's easy to focus on and talk about this lack of faith or this fear, whatever it might have been. But before we criticize him, can we honor him for a moment? Can we revere him for just one moment? Out of 12 young men, there's only one that's got the guts to step out of the boat. Only one. You know, Peter makes a lot of mistakes in Scripture. We've talked about this before. You can't go through Scripture without seeing all Peter's mistakes. But I'm telling you what, when he nails it, he nails it. He gets it right. And he flounders and struggles to get there, but he doesn't quit. And then he comes back again. And then he comes back again. And he comes back again. And he doesn't quit, and he doesn't quit, and Jesus doesn't quit, and Jesus doesn't quit. Finally, Jesus is about ready to descend, and he says, Peter, while I'm gone, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You know, I think Peter, I don't, I don't know this. This Bible doesn't say this. Pure speculation. But I'm just about convinced that Peter is one of these disciples just to show you and me the normal human being following Jesus. All the mistakes, all the issues, all the problems, all the, all the home runs, all the time he nails it, and never stopping, never quitting. He was a normal guy. I don't know the situation with all of them, but we know Peter was married, maybe the only one who was married, married, family. Just a guy doing his best. He steps out of the boat. He begins to sink, though. He dared be a little bit different. And you know as well as I do, anybody can sit in the boat and watch. Anybody can do that. Don't, 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 don't. Don't try to impress somebody on Monday morning, right, after watching the game on Sunday. 
Don't, don't, don't do that. Anybody can sit in the boat. His focus, though, comes off Jesus. And on to the danger that he thought he was in. He wasn't actually in danger. He thought he was in danger. He was with Jesus. He wasn't in danger. He thought he was in danger. I'm going to say that again. He was with Jesus. He wasn't in danger. He just thought he was in danger. And because of that, he began to sink. Because he was looking at the waves. He was looking at the storm. He had his mind, his heart, his attention focused on the issues and the problems instead of focused on Jesus Christ. And not only that, church, not only do we need to not focus on the problem, all these problems, the issue, the sadness, the anger, the hatred, the rage, whatever it is, instead focus on what Jesus wants for us in our lives, we take it a step further, you know and I know, we go looking for the waves. I'm so sick of this. We go, you know why, you know why I'm sick of this? Because I have the conversations with people. Life's hard, life's horrible, life's sad, life's mean, life's this, life's that. What are you filling your life with? Trash? Are you filling it with trash? Are you filling it with waves? You know what it is to read this, to watch that, to listen to these things. We go looking for waves in our life. And then wonder why our faith falters. There's a reason Paul tells us, Talk about, think about, focus on the beautiful, wonderful, noble things of life. Because, it get, because that's the character of Christ. Because it keeps us from sinking. I can't tell you how many times people go looking for waves in their life. What, 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 what is it? Somebody's going to have to explain this to me someday. Is it entertainment? I, I, don't, I don't get it. Let's find the worst possible news we can find... And go focus on it. Don't, 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 don't ask me anymore. Don't ask me. Just don't ask me. Don't ask me why, if that's what we're going to fill our lives with, why my mind and my heart is filled with sadness and evil and hatred. Just don't ask me anymore. Because we go looking for the waves and we begin to sink the evils and the ills of life. Peter says, Lord, save me. There's many times I think we default to, I'll go and swim for it, but Peter doesn't. And I think we got to give him credit for knowing right now to call out to Jesus Christ. He called out to Jesus Christ not when he was drowning, but he called out to Jesus Christ as he was sinking. The moment he realized something wasn't right, something was off, that's when he called out to Jesus, save me. He didn't wait till he was drowning. He didn't wait till he turned around and started swimming for it. The moment he began to sink, he called out to Jesus, Jesus, save me. Grab me. I need to focus. I need to think. I need to care. Trust Jesus Christ alone. Obey his word. No matter these different experiences. It was difficult for Peter, but it helped him grow. It helped him grow in knowledge of himself. Yes, knowledge of Christ. But it helped Peter grow in knowledge of himself. Immediately in verse 31, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you a little faith. Why did you doubt? Stop doubting. Stop doubting. This is what happens when we take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and focus on the circumstances around us. Why did you doubt? This uncertainty, this is what that word means. It means, why did you look two ways? 
quite literally with it. Why did you look two ways instead of look one way? Focus on one thing. Focus on the honor, the glory, the power of Jesus Christ in your life. He saw two ways instead of one. Finally, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Yes, it was a tumultuous time in Peter's life. It was a tumultuous time in the boat on the seas. But what is the response? What is the response not only of Peter but of those around him who saw what Peter went through. The response was, their eyes were open and there was worship of Jesus. Surely, you are the Son of God. That's salvation. That's salvation. That's being saved. That's coming to understanding. That's coming to knowledge and wisdom in the middle of the storm. Church, sometimes when the clouds roll in, we think the sun has disappeared. But the sun is there, even behind the clouds, calling, asking, commanding, helping, saving, rescuing. And we can be this type of person who forgets that, who ignores that. Or we can be the type of person through prayer, through study, through fasting, through humility, sees and recognizes the presence of Jesus in our life. There are many times, church, when you ask Jesus to calm the storm, He says, no, I got bigger plans for you. I got bigger plans for you. We're going to let this storm go for a while because I've got wonderful things in store for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you for who you are, Father. We love you that you, you do see us in the midst of the storm, that even though the clouds roll in, even though the difficulty happens, even though our boats get rocked, you don't walk away, you don't leave. Father, help us to see you through the storm. Help us to focus, to train our eyes, our minds, our hearts on who you are, what you are, your promises, your presence in our life. Father, help us in the midst of storms to look back on other storms and see how you have commanded those in our life. Now, we shouldn't doubt that we shouldn't begin to sink because, Father, we know there are storm after storm after storm in our life. And I don't want to live a life that's just sinking all the time. Help us, Father, to focus on Jesus in our life. Focus on Jesus. Father, I ask right now that you get rid of pride in my life, in my heart, and people in this room, that you give us courage. That you help us to realize that this is real, this is true, that a lot of stuff fades, but Jesus doesn't. Father, help us to focus, help us to care, help us to obey, to live these words out in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and sing. Thanks to the Lord our God and King, His love endures forever.
Christ. Um, sometimes it's, I've, I've sunk. You ever sunk before? Been sinking? I have. But there's times I haven't. And it's probably the same thing in your life too. Times you've sunk or been getting sinking. And times you haven't. Those times you haven't, those are the things to focus on. Those are things to remember. The ways to strengthen us, to focus. The fact of the matter is, church, Jesus loves you. He made you. He crafted you by name and He wants you. I don't care who you are in this room. He loves you. He wants you to live with him forever. That's reality. Yeah, we got to slog through the storms until that time happens. But slog through the storms with the very one who created you. Why would we do otherwise? Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you. We love you for who you are. We love you for what you continue to do for us in our lives. We love you for the ways that you challenge us, Father. We love you for the ways that you relieve us. Father, we love you for the ways that you guide us and direct us, strengthen us, that you challenge us for courage. Father, there are many times that we need relief. Father, there's many times we want relief. You know what we need. You know what we need. Provide what we need, Father, and help us to receive, accept, and act upon the answer. In Jesus' name, amen. show. Thank you for that, both of you. Um, Cammie, I expressed to Brian, I didn't have my chance to express to you after first service how much I appreciated that. It was, it's powerful. It's powerful to me. And, and I just, I love moments like that. You guys just, I just love that. Love those moments. I love that song. Um, I don't know where to go from there. Let's pray. Let's talk to God. God, you are our Father and our Creator. And you are holy. You are are special. You're unique in all creation. Father, I ask that as we go into our time today, or at least our, our time of lesson, that we will remember that. That we'll remember that as we go throughout the day, as we wake up tomorrow, as we think about you and interact with you, that you are holy. Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our, not our thoughts. And yet, with you being holy, with you being set apart, you still love us and you care about us. Father, because of that, may your will be done in my life. May it be done in the lives of the people of this church. Not, not, not our will. Father, our will fights against your will. 
Our desire fights against your desire. Our pride, our fear, our arrogance sometimes fights against your will. So, Father, I ask that you will soften our hearts and give us courage, that you'll open our eyes and give us a desire so that we will do, that we will accomplish, that we will understand your will and your desire in our life. Father, you continue to love us. You continue to provide for us. You give us all good things. You sustain us with your very word, the things that you know that we need and we ought to, uh, we ought to receive with thanksgiving. So many things, Father, of course, in our hearts and our minds that we want, but we know that you know what we need, and you provide those things, provision, protection, and certainly you provide opportunity for us to know you and to love you, Father. I ask, Father, that here today as we listen, as we learn, as we apply, Father, that you will recall to mind, Father, right now, right now, recall to mind yesterday. Recall to mind our walk, our struggles, our shortcomings, our sins from yesterday, right now, Father. I ask that you will help us right now to present those to you. Just confess those to you. I I don't want anything between us now that we will reflect and we will confess these sins right now to you and we will thank you for your forgiveness. And Father, if we're going to do that, help us also to forgive the people that we know, forgive people who have wronged us, forgive people that, that sit amongst us right now, that we, can we do less? show forgiveness to people around us. Father, we continue to ask that though we may be tested, you will not lead us into temptation, that you will give us the courage, the fortitude, that you will give us the focus on Jesus, not to go around, but Father, to go through and following Jesus all the time. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A couple of things, well, just one housekeeping thing. Um, on May 7th, our high school girls, high school girls are going to go to the zoo. Uh, not this zoo, that's a different zoo. Uh, I don't know why they need to go to a different zoo after this. No. Uh, they're going to go there, and uh, uh, that's just going to be after church on Sunday the 7th. I know it's a little bit short notice, but if you're unfamiliar with that or unaware of that, uh, please talk to Cody and Erica about that. Um, uh, as they're setting that up, uh, please keep that in mind. That's that's it. That's all the that's all the housekeeping I have for that. Oh, one more thing. Uh, one more. Titus is done. One more thing. Um, yep. I know. I know. You don't want to hear this mess twice. That's for sure. I feel bad for Randy too. Uh, listen to those things over and over again. Um, you, last week we had the opportunity to uh, tell you celebrate a little bit about Kyle Spence and Brian Dom. Uh, being uh, uh, chosen and, and, and vetted by the eldership and also Russ, our deacon chairman, uh, to become a deacon in the church. We are, we are emphasizing, and this is going to be a focus as we move forward, not only service but spiritual development. We're doing that in the eldership. We're doing that, uh, eventually going to do that in the deaconship just as we do here on Sunday mornings, uh, spiritual development. In any event, uh, we'll be uh, doing that. We'll be having a vote of affirmation. We were going to do that next Sunday. We'll actually end up doing that on the 7th, uh, May 7th. That way, 
uh, they can be here. Sometimes schedules conflict when these things pop up when we put these things in. Uh, between that time and now, you have the opportunity to bring to the eldership any character, character concerns of Kyle and Brian. Uh, please be willing to do that and courageous enough to do that. And those things will be addressed. We have addressed those things in the past. Those things are beneficial. They need to be done. Uh, so if there's any character issue that the elders are not aware of or uh, our deacon chairman Russ is not aware of, uh, please bring that to the eldership <clears throat> and we'll address it before we, uh, before we vote affirmation about that. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. We are starting into a new series. We've been talking a lot about uh, light, and we're going to continue to talk about light at least through the month of August. Um, but uh, some of the things we've been saying is that we are, you are, the light of the world. That's a big, that's, that's heavy. You're the light of the world. Matter of fact, people want to find Jesus, they need to look to you. What do you do? Where are you? What are you showing? What are you shining? Jesus says, you are the light of the world if you're a follower of Christ, if you profess His name. You're the light of the world. Jesus also refers to Himself as light. By that light we see. By that light we have life. By that light we have direction. We have comfort. We have all warmth. We have all these wonderful things that come from God. Jesus is the light as well. But you and I both know there's moments, there's days when the storms roll in, when the sky gets pretty cloudy. I've had those moments in my life. You've probably had those moments in your life. Sometimes they're days, sometimes they're weeks, sometimes they are seasons of life, years of life. I've had moments, I've had times, I've had, I've had uh, finite times, temporary times of great difficulty in my life. I've not had a difficult life. By the way, if you haven't, acknowledge that. I've been gifted many things just by people and, and, and Christ and, 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 and working through my family and things like this. I, I, some people have, it seems like a struggle every day. Some people, for the most part in their life, nah, it's, it's really, really hasn't been. Really hadn't been. It's never in want for anything. That's, that's, been, that's been life. But there's still hard things. Times you want to stumble, times you want to fall, times you want to quit. Look, I'm done. I'm done. You just want to quit and walk away. We tend to forget sometimes that in the middle of these storms, when the, when the storm clouds roll in, that on the other side of those clouds, the sun is still shining. It's still bright, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful. I was taking a plane over to, to Muncie one time to get fixed, Muncie, Indiana. I was riding with a buddy of mine. He was flying, and I just, I just remember this is one of those... You know, we, we, we busted up, broke through the clouds, it was raining, pouring, cold. As soon as we busted through those clouds, it looked, it looked very much like this picture. You know, and now we're just, we're just cruising and it's smooth and it's fun. On the other side of the clouds, boy, that sun is still shining. And it's lovely and it's wonderful. Jesus still shines. He still guides. He directs in the midst of storms. And so we're going to see a storm today that focuses on challenging and, 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 and strengthening and, and building our knowledge. Next week, we're going to focus on a storm that builds knowledge and focuses on comfort and power. 
Next, after that, we're going to focus on a storm of correction. Yes, a storm of correction. Discipline through storms in our life. Think Jonah when we get there. We're going to talk about storms of opportunity that we see as we look at Paul. And we're going to finally talk about storms of destruction and what do we do? How are we supposed to face? How do we make it through a storm of destruction in our lives, or rather storms of destruction in the world around us? We focus on, we see a lot of these storms throughout life and throughout Scripture. But today, I want to focus on this storm, uh, well, just because I want to go with this one first. So, I'm the preacher and I get to do that. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we'll start with verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Well, we need some context here. Jesus was teaching and performing an incredible miracle that one of the more famous, I guess, if you will, miracles. He just got done feeding 5,000 people with some fish and some bread, just a little bit. This is what he did. Matter of fact, the way he did it, and you could read through it in John, and you can also see it in Matthew, the way he did it was for a child to give to him, whether it's a child or childlike, a child to give to Jesus what they had. Jesus multiplied what they had and were able to feed to provide nourishment for the multitudes. That was the miracle. In fact, Jesus allowed the disciples to spread this food amongst the people. He didn't go out himself. He said, you have given me what you've had in your life. I have made this provision for everyone. Now I'm going to talk to my followers, i.e. the church, and I'm going to allow you to take this to the people. That's the feeding of the 5,000. He just got done doing that miracle, and he sends his disciples away, ultimately, because he needs to dismiss the crowd. The crowd wants to make Jesus king. They really do. They, this, is, this, is, this is wild. This is crazy. We want you to be king. We're going to try to make you king by force, talk you into being king. And Jesus has to dismiss the crowd, quiet them down, and dismiss the crowd. Verse 20, 23, after he dismissed them... That is his disciples, told his disciples, get in the boat, go across the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to deal with this crowd. He ends up dismissing the crowd. He goes up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And he's been trying to do this. He's been trying to do this for a while. You see, he just recently heard that John the Baptist is dead. He was killed by Herod. Which Herod? The... Um, there's a million of them. Um, Herod the Tetrarch was killed by Herod. And he's mourning. Not only is he mourning, he needs to be refilled in spirit. He needs to be recharged in his focus and his courage. He needs to have a conversation with his father. Certainly after John the Baptist has died, he goes to a solitary place to pray, to possibly mourn. And he's been trying and trying and trying to do this, but the crowds keep following. The disciples keep following. He sees them. He has compassion on them. And he begins to teach and he begins to help and he performs miracles. Finally, all that's done. He tells his disciples, go. I'm going to go up on this mountainside because I have got to pray. Verse 24, later on that night, he was there alone. Verse 24, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. He's on 
the side of the mountain, the hill, the large hill there. He sees out across the Sea of Galilee his disciples, his students, his friends in a boat, and they're getting rocked. They're getting knocked around, rocked around. They're just about on the edge of upsetting the boat. Now, look, we may be reaching to call this a storm, but I don't think so. There's no whirlwind, and there's no, you know, it's not like it's a hurricane. It's not like, you know, anything like that. But other than some of those major descriptions of precipitation, the effects are the same. The sea is rocking the boat. It's buffeted. It's dangerous. The winds are swirling. Again, bottom line is this. They are in rough seas. Sound like anybody you know or have ever met or have ever seen. Sound like something you're going through now. Sound like something you went through last year, maybe next week. Whatever it's going to be. They were in rough seas. Their life was being thrown around. They didn't want this. They didn't want this. You don't want it in your life. I don't want it in my life. In fact, I talk to God all the time. Hey, keep the rough seas from me. There's nothing wrong with that. I talk to God all the time. Keep the rough seas from me. They don't want that. You don't want that. God is going to use, though. He is going to use these rough seas. Church, this lesson is here for a reason, okay? He's going to use these rough seas to teach His disciples something about His nature, something about the power of faith power of faith, the noticeable, expressionable, tangible result of trust in Jesus. Power of faith. People think power of faith is just a plucky attitude. That is not what the power of faith is. If you guys think that that's what it is, you don't understand what faith is. Faith is the substance. It's actually a result of the things we know to be true, we just haven't experienced yet. That's trust. That's what faith is. There is an actual noticeable power in faith in our lives. So if you think it's just having a good attitude, that's not faith. Don't call that faith. Faith is acting upon what we profess and noticing the result from that action. Obedience in Jesus Christ. That's faith. He's going to teach them something about faith and the very nature of who He is. He's going to use the same thing that He uses in our lives to teach us. He's going to use the storm. And this is how God works. He works this way in your life, works this way in my life. Look, I understand we can still learn from the sunshine. We can still learn from relief, and we do. But church, we are tested and challenged and strengthened in the midst of the storm. In the midst of the storm is when things about God are revealed to us. In the midst of the storm are when things about us are revealed to us. This is when we begin to know who we are, what we are, what we believe. So in these storms, we take a couple of directions. Your storm that might be going on right now, you got a couple of options. you got three options. That's it, three options. If you're going through a storm in your life, number one is this, we can look for Christ. We can talk to Him. We can ask Him, we can obey, we can read, we can pray, we can study. We can focus our attention and our eyes and our hearts on Jesus Christ and being ready to go with the leading that He prompts through His Word and through our time of prayer. That's one option. Another option, if you're in a storm, just ignore everything 
about Jesus. Just ignore it. We'll do it. We'll get through it. Try to do it ourselves. Am I the only one that defaults to that? I'll just do it myself. Here's a bad thing. Here's a bad time. Here's a bad moment. Here's a bad year. Here's a bad something on the horizon. I'll just do it myself. It's a default mechanism. I'm just going to automatically go to that. I'll just fix it. We don't even know how it broke. And we say, I'll just do it myself. So that's option number two. Option number three, and unfortunately we fall into this category a lot too. Third option is this. We call upon the name of Jesus for relief. But have no intention whatsoever doing what he actually says. If it's not what we want to hear. Jesus, relieve me from this storm. Jesus says, okay, do this. And we say, Jesus, relieve me another way. He says there's no plan B, there's just plan A. There's plan A and there's failure. There's no plan B. We say, Jesus, relieve us. Look, when you call in the name of Jesus Christ in the middle of the storm, church, you had better be ready for him to answer. You'd better be ready for him to answer. You better think about him answering and focus on his answer and focus on his direction and his desire, his prompting by the Holy Spirit in your heart, your mind. Because if you don't, just like Brother Randy said, you're going to miss the work of Christ in your life all the time. You're going to miss it today. You're going to miss it tomorrow. And those todays and tomorrows add up, and you're going to miss it for years and years and years in your life. All the time professing the name of Jesus Christ and never really once seeing the actual work of Him in your life. Be able to respond to it in that way. we got to be ready for Him to answer. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to His disciples just walking on the lake, just, just walking, just strolling, you know, why not, right? Maybe it's the fastest way to get across the lake. I doubt it. I don't think that's why he's out walking on the water. Church, look, this is, Jesus is the same Jesus we read about. Jesus is the God of creation. He is the God that made this water. He's the God that made you. And that God wants to be, allows himself to be the actual creation itself because of <clears throat> how much he loves you and how much he loves, you, loves me. Jesus walking on the water. This is not an imposter. Jesus is not merely a great teacher or a holy man. Jesus is the very God who decides right now that he is going to suspend the laws of the physics of the universe in order to teach 12 guys a lesson. He's going to suspend the laws of physics in order to teach 12 men, and you and me. That's the God of creation. That's the God who loves us. That's who Jesus is. And so he goes out walking on the water. Jesus wants to teach changing physics for the benefit of these people. And this shouldn't be a stretch of the imagination if you believe the resurrection of Christ. I hope you believe the resurrection of Christ because if you don't believe the resurrection of Christ, we've missed the point. There's many people, you know, it never ceases to amaze me that many people believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ but have a hard time believing that Jesus walked on the water. (laughs) They believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but they have a hard time believing that He made the blind man see with a word. They believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but they don't have any, there's no way they believe that he can stop the sun in the sky so Joshua can finish his battle. They believe 
and the resurrection of Jesus. But there's no way he can create all that we see in six days. That's impossible, preacher, because the evidence is against it. Let me tell you something. The evidence is against Jesus rising from the dead in three days. What we see, what we know, what we've experienced in our own lives. I don't know about you, but Jesus is just about the only person I've ever met in my life, known in my life, who's raised again after three days of being dead. It's against what we look at and we say common sense. Look, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He rose from the dead, you can believe all these miracles that He performs. You can believe that He is who He says He is, that He did what He said He did, continues to do what He says He's going to do. You can believe His promises if you believe that He rose from the dead. And that's the whole point. Jesus can die for our sins, but if he doesn't rise from the dead, then he doesn't prove that he's got power over death itself so that we follow him. So he died for our sins and he rose from the dead. Jesus can walk on the water. He can do something a lot harder than that too. He can change your heart and change your mind. Jesus, this God of creation, is coming near in the midst of the storm. That's the point. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. Thinking he's a ghost, the disciples are terrified. Why did they think he's a ghost? Why would they say he's a ghost? Why would they say it's a spirit? Why would they say it's an apparition? Why? Because Jesus walking on the water is not possible. It's not possible for Jesus to do this. It's not possible for him to walk across the water to where I am on this tumultuous, this, this rocking boat in the middle of my life. It's not possible for him to walk out there and comfort me. It's not possible for him to show up out of nothing. It's not possible for him to see me, to be there, to understand me, to know what I'm going through. It's not possible. So i got to come up with some other explanation, no matter how irrational it is. Look, there's a ghost. No, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus comes to them, Jesus comes to you, Jesus does the impossible. Whenever Jesus wants to do the impossible, Jesus can even change your heart, your mind, your feelings. He can even give you the attitude of courage and trust. Even though they've been with Jesus for a long time, they still don't recognize as he approaches the storm. Once again, going back to Randy's message, who should have been preaching this instead of me, sometimes we fail to recognize the Lord when he comes alongside us in our own personal storms. He wants to guide, he wants to correct, he wants to show, he wants to teach, he wants to lead, he wants to challenge, he wants to strengthen. He wants to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we don't recognize that he's there, that he's near, that he loves us, that he cares about us, that he listens to us. Do you know why we don't recognize he's there? Do you want to know why? We don't recognize he's there. I want to go back a few verses, Matthew 14, 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to what? Pray. Pray. He went up on the mountainside to pray. Jesus was in prayer. Jesus was always in prayer. He was always talking to the Father. Church, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Do you talk to God? Have you talked to God this morning? And I'm not talking about over your cornflakes. Have you talked to Him? Today is the day we worship as a body, do we not? Have you talked to God? Tell you, if you're like me, you go through these spells, these moments that you can't, you can't go a day, you can't go hours without being in prayer. 
And then sometimes it seems like just a desert for a while. And I hope you begin to feel the emptiness. I hope you begin to feel how dry that is. Not talking to God, not presenting your life, not talking over the very life that you live with the one who created it. It's contrary to common sense. Church, prayer changes us. It changes us. Prayer allows us to see the work of Jesus Christ in our life in the midst of the storm. If you don't see the work of Jesus Christ in the midst of the storm, you're probably not talking to him. That's the bottom line. Luke says, actually all accounts say this at some point, that Jesus was always in prayer. And if there's one person that doesn't need to pray, it's Jesus. He's God. But he was always in prayer. Talking about his life, his ministry, the hards, the hardship, the highs, the lows, being strengthened, being refilled by the power of the Spirit. This is what prayer does for you and me. This is how we begin to recognize the look, the work of Jesus in our lives. This is the important lesson, one of the important lessons that we learn from this account to help us weather the storms of life. He sends the disciples away so we can be on the mountain to pray. Even with all the needs of the people pressing in on him. Jesus makes solitary time with his Father a priority. Thankfully, Jesus understands the immaturity of our faith, understands the immaturity of the disciples' faith. He doesn't want immaturity in our faith and in our trust. He wants that to be grown and strengthened, but he does understand it. So, he tells his disciples some words of comfort, speaks to them words of truth. In verse 27, Jesus says, immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. I am here, says Jesus, don't be afraid, take courage. Now their situation hasn't changed, they're still on the boat, they're still on the lake, the lake's still rocking, it's rough seas in their life and in your life, but what, Je- what does Jesus say? I'm near, I'm here, have courage, don't be afraid. I like courage. Courage, talking to Jesus gives you courage. Looking back on the past gives you courage, the work of Jesus Christ in our life. Knowing who Jesus is, believing in what Jesus says gives you courage. Courage is not the absence of fear, church, that's just fearless and reckless, all right? Courage tells fear to go sit in the corner and behave yourself. That's what courage does. Tell fear to go sit in the corner, keep quiet. That's what courage does. And Jesus says, I want you to have courage. You can have courage because I'm a part of your life even on these stormy seas. Allow courage, church, to be your master, not fear. Why do we choose fear? Why do we choose fear to be our master? Anxiety to be our master. Is fear your master? Is worry your master? Or is courage your master? Is wringing your hands your master or is hope and peace your master? What is your master? Is it fear? In other words, another way of saying that is, are you a slave? To what? Something wonderful? No. Fear. Anxiety. Worry. This crippling depression of the heart. Why do we let fear be our master instead of courage? Joy, understanding who Jesus is. You want to know what freedom is? I'll tell you what freedom is. You want to know what freedom is? This is the definition of freedom. I don't, even know. I don't know if this is the definition of freedom, but it's my definition of freedom. Real freedom is when the world can take everything from you and you haven't lost a thing. That's freedom. That's freedom. 
Right, Russ? We were talking about that the other day. The world could take everything from you, and you haven't lost a thing. That's what it means to live, church. That's what courage does. That's what not being a slave to fear does. That's what humility brings instead of pride. This is what a focus on Christ brings in our life. Jesus says, you've already won. What does David say? What can man possibly do to me? And by the way, he says this while he's on the run for his life. He says, what can man possibly do to me? He's not a slave to fear. He doesn't want disciples to be a slave to fear. He says, I'm with you the whole way, guys. Have courage in this storm that you're facing or that you're going to face tomorrow. And by the way, if you know a storm's coming up tomorrow, stop worrying about that today. How's that going for you anyway? All that worry. Is it fixing this tomorrow? Raise your hand if that worry is fixing that thing happening tomorrow. Nobody? Okay, stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about it. Start praying about it. Start talking to Jesus about it. Verse 28. Lord, if it's you, I'm going to skip a verse there. Matthew 14, 28 through 29. I should skip a lot of verses there, apparently. Um, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Verse 29, come, he said. That's Jesus. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. This line fascinates me in Scripture. It fascinates me. Look, we've seen Jesus perform another miracle. The disciples have already seen Jesus perform another miracle in the same area, the same type of theater. Matthew chapter 8, 24 through 27, you've heard this before. A furious storm in the lake came up so that the waves swept over the boat. Jesus was asleep in the boat. Verse 25, the disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and waves, and it was completely calm. Verse 27, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. So here's my question. Jesus invites Peter out of the boat. Why does Jesus invite Peter out of the boat before calming the storm? That's all he's got to do. He's already done it. Now all he has to do is calm the storm and then call Peter out of the boat. But he doesn't do that, does he? He says, Peter, I want you out of the boat in the midst of the storm. In the midst of the rough seas. In the midst of the hardship. Are you going? Are you in hardship? Is Jesus calling you out of the boat? Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Face down the hardship with courage. These are the lines that fascinate me. Why didn't Jesus calm the sea? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, he was never asked. Read through the account yourself. Not one of these disciples asked Jesus to calm the seas. Not one of them sitting there being rocked asked him to calm the seas. It's happened before in their life. But now that they're in another rough sea, what happens? Completely forget about that. And I'm scared to death. Why don't you just ask Jesus to calm this sea? Can he not do two miracles? Can he not do major things in your life? Huge things in your life. Problem is you don't ask. You ever default to, your will be done. Your will, that's not humility. That's lack of faith. That's lack of faith. I can't ask specifics. I can't ask too big in my prayers because Jesus won't do it or is incapable of doing it. And so because of my lack of faith, I default to, well, you just do it your way. 
right? You need to talk to Jesus about the condition, the hardship of your heart and your mind. Jesus, this is what I want. Now, I don't know if you're going to give it to me, but this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I'm looking for. He was never even asked to calm the storm. That's number one. Number two. Number two is this. What if Peter would have asked him? Maybe Peter would have asked him to calm the storm. Maybe Peter would have asked Jesus to calm the storm and Jesus say no. Maybe Peter would have done the same thing you and I do. Jesus, calm the storm first and then I'll come to where you are. Don't bargain with Jesus. Don't bargain with Jesus. Calm the storm first. Fix everything in life first. And then I'll follow you, Jesus. There's no way he's going to give in to that. Why? Because he doesn't hate you that much. He loves you. He's not going to fix everything in your life and then wait for you to follow him then. Because you and I both know, and if you don't know this, now you're going to learn you're human. And that's not the way human beings work. Jesus is going to call those who are looking for him, listening for him, wanting to get out of the boat, yes, in the middle of the storm, because he loves you. He wants you to see this power of faith in your life. Third reason is this. Say we do follow Jesus. We have great faith. We may ask Jesus to calm the storm. And he's probably going to reply to us the same reason, same way he replies to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Keep coming. Because I've given you everything you need. You just haven't caught up with it yet. My grace is sufficient for you. Church, look back on the rest of your life. Don't we often find that the grace of Jesus is sufficient for us as we go through storms? Or do we forget that Jesus already calmed some storms? <laughs> Guys, you've got to have the right perspective on this stuff. I would recommend very strongly that you read the Bible. It's a decent book. It'll help you go through life, right? Verse 30, Jesus, or Peter stepped out, but when he saw the wind, when he saw the waves... He began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. So now the center of this narrative shifts from Jesus to Peter. And before we criticize, you know where I'm going with this. Before we criticize Peter for sinking into the waves, let's honor him for a moment, right? You know where I'm going. Let's revere him for a second. Don't worship him, but we can revere him. We can honor him for doing what? Stepping out of the boat. I usually add doggone in there. Stepping out of the doggone boat, right? Get out of the boat. Anybody. You know this. Anybody can sit there on Monday morning and tell the quarterback what he should have done. Jesus calls. Peter gets out of the boat. Twelve men sitting there. And only one of them says, I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to go to where Jesus is. I don't know what's going to happen along the way. But I'm going to go to where Jesus is. That's courage. That's faith. Every time... You can't read through Scripture and not see the different times that Peter messes up, right? Right? Does Peter mess up? Peter, Peter messes up all the time. He says the wrong thing. He does the wrong thing. Now, this is not Scripture, but I am convinced. This is speculation, but I'm convinced Peter is here to show you and me what a regular human being is like following Jesus. A lot of highs and a lot of lows. And Peter makes a lot of mistakes. But every time, Peter keeps coming back, doesn't he? Every time he keeps coming back, and every time, Jesus keeps letting him come back. Every time, Jesus keeps pursuing him. 
Mistake after mistake after mistake. And once in a while, Peter nails it. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when he nails it, he nails it. Every time. See, that's Peter. Getting out of the boat. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm probably going to fall on my face. But I'm getting out of the boat and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to go tell that person about Jesus. I'm going to go sing that song. I'm going to go study that scripture. I'm going to go teach that class. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. I'm getting out of the boat. You guys can stay here. I'm not living that way. I'm getting out of the boat. So that's the honor part of Peter. But Peter sunk, didn't he? Peter began to sink because he took his eyes off of Christ and began looking at all the problems and the issues and the dangers that he, not that he was in, no, that he thought he was in. You see, he wasn't in any danger. He was with Jesus. He wasn't in any danger. He was looking at all the stuff that made him think he was in danger. And because of that, he began to sink. We stop looking at Jesus. We stop wanting what Jesus wants. We stop caring about the things that Jesus cares about. We stop trying to define our lives by who and what Jesus is. And we, we start looking at the issues and the problems and the dangers that we think we're in. Even after we've given our life over to Jesus Christ. You know what? Sometimes it's not even the waves that grab our attention. Sometimes we go looking for the waves. You ever go looking for the waves in your life? You know what I'm talking about. The evils and the ills and the bad and the ugly of life. And you listen to it. You watch it. You read through it. You focus on it. You're not consuming that stuff. That stuff's consuming you. That's what's happening. And somebody's going to have to explain someday why people do that. I don't know if it's entertainment. I don't know what it is. I can't handle that stuff in my life. I don't read it. What? Everything ugly. Everything bad. People read through stuff and get annoyed and they keep reading. Cut it out. Why do you go looking for the waves? You know what? Stop coming into my office and asking me why life is so bad and so sad and so hard and so depressed and so filled with hate and evil and ills if you keep filling your life with the waves. Stop wondering why that stuff's happening. Okay? Just stop. I mean, I mean don't really stop coming in. You know, let's, we'll talk. I love you guys. But I'm just trying to drive the point home. Jesus says, Peter, quit looking at the, the, the problems, the trouble that you think you're in. You're not. Your life is with me and saved. But if you start focusing on that, the rest of your life is just going to sink. Stop doing it. I got a lot more of this. Let's pray. Let's, you know what? Just be thinking about that. Father, we love you. We love who you are. We love what you do, Father. We struggle. We, we, we struggle. We look at the waves. We read the waves. We hear the waves. We think about the waves, Father. And we know that so many of these storms in life, Father, story after story after story of storms in our life bring about incredible fruit. 
Incredible faith. Incredible strength and courage, Father. Father, as we go through storms, we need to focus. We need to care about what Jesus cares about, Father. We cannot do this by ourselves. We have, we have pride that, 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 that consumes us. We have fear. We have arrogance. Father, we need that taken away. We need a heart of obedience. That's what we need, Father. We need that, and we want that. And Father, we know that the storms can get really rough and really dark, but we know Jesus is always shining in our lives. I thank you, Father, for your love. I thank you for the opportunity we have to step out of the boat, to tell our friend or our spouse or our co-worker about the wonderful light that we see and that we know, to resist temptation, to not do what is easy, but do what's hard because we know it's right. Father, help us to step out of the boat in those ways, just to be the kind of person that steps out of the boat and keeps our eyes fixated on Jesus. I thank you, Father. We're going to sing songs to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, let's stand and sing a song. Thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. I've told you this before, through. Through is one of God's favorite words, through. So if you're going through a storm right now, if you're on rough seas right now, go through. Go through. Life is not about the perfection that we attain on our own. It is about the perseverance that we can apply every single day, okay? 
go through. One of God's favorite words. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you protect us, you love us, you guide us, you care about us, Father. But through all of that, we acknowledge that you strengthen us and you discipline us and you test us so that we grow. Father, help us to recognize those things as well in many of these storms, to know that the sun is still shining, that so long as we give our life to Jesus, all of these dangers are just dangers that we think we're in, but that's not reality. Help us to keep our minds, our hearts focused on Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen.